Oh, anyway, okay, let's go. Let's Ready? Let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. Do it. Do it. He- Hello. Do it. Do and it. Welcome to. A- <laughs> <laughs> okay. right, you vote. You're fired. Okay. Um, uh, hello and do welcome it, do to it. Ethical Seduction, where we help. Motherfucker. <laughs> Listen, we know you've just started over you? three times anyway, every time. We're just we're just trying to I'm just kidding. We're good. We're gonna We're actually you. saving you time. We're just helping you get it out of the way. Okay, thank you for saving me time. Hello and welcome to Ethical Seduction, where we help you seduce and connect with the people you want so you can live the life you want. As sex-positive educators and volunteers serving our local National Community Center, we found that some people were struggling to attract who they desired, so we developed ethical seduction as a pathway to help you create authentic connections with whomever you choose. Flirting and seduction skills matter. They are transformative, life-changing skills that benefit everybody around us. So thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Stephen, and today I am here with our sexy our kinky, sexy, fun relationship educators, Ava and Brandy. Ooh, hi, y'all. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was, that was, we can tell we're excited. So I am excited about today's show, okay? We're going to cover up like building confidence, but um, I also realized it is one of those topics that really pisses me off. And I'm going to talk about that in a second. Ava, it's you, normally you're the one who's like, why am I always pissed off about the? Yeah, but you do that on turn. purpose. No, I do not. You do too. You love pushing my buttons. No. Well, sometimes. Because I'll be like, you're right. You should be angry about this. And I'll just drop it. So you're, you're right. Okay. But today's my turn, right? So <laughs> anyway. Uh, so we'll talk about that in a second about why I get kind of pissed off about it. But by the end of this, what I want everybody to know is like, you're going to uh, know not just about like confidence, but like how to actually build the confidence. Um, and that brings me to, I guess, the reason that I do get annoyed with it is like so many times people are like, you know, oh, just go be confident, you know, oh, you know, what's attractive? Oh, just be confident. And there's no explanation about how to do it. Right. And I feel like just saying that is not very helpful and kind of, I'm going to put it in the category of like just bad advice. You know, it's, it's not very usable. Okay. Then the other part that I get kind of annoyed with sometimes is like, people will be like, oh, well, confidence, you know, it's like you either have it or you don't. Like, it's just kind of like, woo, like, oh, it's this there. Some people have it and some people don't have it, right? Well, and, and I do not think that's true. You know, I think you, this confidence is something you can definitely work on developing. So uh, the other part, though, that bothers me is where it kind of gets worse. And you have this downward spiral that when you're not feeling very confident, it can make it can amplify things, right? And so the person, then you become really self-conscious about it. And then pretty soon you're paying attention, like, oh my God, this is a dumb thing I'm saying, right? And it just goes down and down, right? And that can happen if you're approaching somebody or if it's like, maybe it's somebody that you like and you're not sure if they like you and you can have like sort of that negative self-talk or that downward spiral or even like sexual performance in the bedroom. I mean, because Ava, you've talked about like sometimes like there's something going on, you know, you're with your partner or whatever, and that can be like, oh, I'm supposed to perform a little bit. And there's like pressure and that's not cool. So, you know, that's a little bit different. But just, you know, if you start to feel pressured, like, am I going to be good enough? It can affect things. So I don't like any of that, you know? And so I think, so today, what we really want to focus on, I guess, is like, we're going to discuss confidence and like what it is, but also like how you can develop it. 
So we do have some tips and we have a plan so that you can literally become more confident. And the cool thing about that is like how helpful, if you start to think like how helpful that's going to be in your life, it's going to like, it's not just going to impact like flirting and like how you interact, but it would, it would affect all kinds of areas of your life, you know? So I feel like that's the part that I think is kind of exciting is like how, how important this, this can be. All right. So let me ask you all, you know, like just without doing any research and things like that, like what does confidence mean to you all? Like, how do you interpret it? As, as a description, what what is confidence? Belief in your ability. That's true. No, I was thinking, yeah, no, I agree with her. And I made a note about this. I put down believing in yourself. Mm-hmm. But I, I sort of think one of the, the, the important thing there might be the word believing. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, Ava, that's the same thing you said, you know. So it's like, how do you, what do you believe about yourself? So um, this is kind of a side thing, but like a long time ago, I took this uh, Strength Finder test, which is a book that's out there and you can find it online, right? And it has like, I don't know, like 25, like really kind of cool positive traits. And, you know, you do the test and it comes out and it tells you like, what's your top ones, right? Which I would suggest to people um, to, to do this. It's Strength Finder. I think it's actually called Strength Finder 2.0 now. Hmm. They've, they've updated it. And it really is good because if you come out of this thing, you sort of know like what are your strong points and those really are attractive traits, right? So it is beneficial to kind of do it and know what is attractive about you and what people mm-hmm. like about you. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Ava's got oh. the book. She's holding it up. Yeah, nice. So have you done this, Ava? The Strength Finder? No, I haven't. I haven't done it. It's one of the books oh. on my to-do list. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, it was good. I did it, God, it was probably 15 years ago, I think, probably, you know, but it has stuck with me. And so one of the things uh, that came out of there, my highest ranking one was self-assurance. So self-assurance, they're like, it's not self-confidence. It's not exactly the same as self-confidence. Self-assurance is where when you're not sure about something or whatever, like you turn inward toward yourself. So I'm answering my own questions about, is this okay or not okay? Versus somebody who might turn elsewhere you know, to another person to kind of know like, Hey, did I do a good job? Or I'm not mm-hmm. sure what to go do. So I'm getting like my, my assurance. How do I, you know, in some ways I'm going to say calm myself or reassure myself. I'm doing it through myself. That sounds a lot like the concept of um, self-soothing or self-comforting, right? When you're feeling doubt about something, when you're feeling uncertain about something and your ability to kind of walk yourself down the like, emotional totem pole back to like calm baseline state, right? Mm-hmm. That self-assurance, like another way that I hear it talked about is self-soothing or self-comforting rather than depending on somebody else to give you that assurance and tell you it's okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that this is, that's kind of, I'm going to say the way I'm wired, you know, just the way I grew up and was, you know, developed and things like that. So I don't know that it's bad to, if, if you're like, no, I actually rely on like, feedback from other people. I think we all do that to a certain extent, right? So Mm -hmm. it's just, in some ways, I just think of it as like a style. But a lot of times where I think people often are like, oh, Steve's confident. And I think actually it's more on this, like it's more the self-assured is Mm -hmm. where I think it's. So they're related. And I just kind of share that just because I thought that was kind of interesting that they're similar, but they are different. But uh, I do think confidence has a lot to do about belief and like how we picture ourselves. Brandy, I, I did have like a short, sort of a, sh- a story that came up recently. Um, and Brandy, I think you're going to relate to this. So we, I've started doing coaching calls 
for the ethical seduction. And one of the people that I'm helping made a comment that they get really nervous when people give them compliments. Mm. And I think, Brandy, that's the part I think, like, you're like that too, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Fucking hate it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to elaborate on that? <laughs> well, it's, yeah, no, it just, it's very uncomfortable, like, if, especially if they're like, Brandy, I really, your makeup looks good today. I don't know. That seems like a, I, I have issues with super, what I call superficial compliments. If they're like, Brandy, you did really good work today. That's, that's different than that. You know, that outfit, I like your outfit. Like it's, it's still nice, but I'm like, well, I just bought it off the rack. Thanks. I don't know what I'm doing, but thank you. It's just, it just feels different. So it's more the superficial compliments mm-hmm. that I, get more uncomfortable with because also I can't be like, I know, thanks. Because they're going to be like, well, well, okay. You're, you seem too confident or it's this weird. uh, No, it's exactly what you should do. (laughs) Well, it's like this weird dialogue of do you just do or I don't know what are they wanting when they give me a compliment and I'm I'm reading that room. It's difficult for me. Maybe they just want to give you a gift. Maybe they don't want anything from you. Yeah. And I would say that's that's the reality is is I think Ava's right that we don't give confidence very often, you know, and so when somebody does, it really usually is something like we should believe it because it takes effort on their part. Okay. But yeah. anyway, so with anyway, I thought of you, Brandy. I'm like, oh my God, you're gonna really associate with this. And it's kind of to me, it's interesting and it's almost like fun, okay. But it's like you know, this person, they were just like, they're not really used to them. And just like you said, Brandy, they're like, it almost makes them a little bit suspicious, like, why are you giving me a compliment? Okay. So anyway, we got to talking about that. And, uh, my, my sort of big picture advice on that thing was like, you need to just get comfortable Mm -hmm. with listening to them, you know, and believing what the people are saying. Right. Because I think what's going on probably with both of you is just that people are giving the compliments, like Ava said, for real, because, you know, they're noticing this or saying it, it's a gift. They're telling you what they like about you. And then there's that maybe defense mechanism or something like that, you know, going on in you or something like that. That just is like, oh, my God, it's hard for me to listen to. So anyway, in this particular case with this particular person, I was sort of like, you know, I think you have to just maybe try to be comfortable with being uncomfortable listening to the compliment. Yeah, I think what's what's unusual about a compliment versus like a conversation you have with people is usually conversations are an exchange, right? And when someone's giving mm-hmm. a compliment, that exchange isn't necessarily there. So someone could just be saying that dress looks really good on you. And you and you're like, OK, this is supposed to be an exchange of information like or what it, it you it just gets it's it's a different way of communicating that some people just aren't used to doing. And so, yeah, it feels uncomfortable. And I'm like, am okay, I supposed to be like, well, thanks, Stephen, and, and, that your shirt looks good on you too. Like it's a, it's a weird <laughs> thing. I don't. Yeah, I know what you're saying. It's not yeah. transactional. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not, I don't think it necessarily has to be transactional in that I need to return the compliment. It should. And I, I, I don't remember if we've talked about this on a recent episode or not. We might have, but like the concept of bidding. Have I talked about that with you guys before? You have, but can you remind us? Yeah. So we bid every day. Anytime we interact with another human being, we're bidding because we're we're trying to get some sort of reaction out of them, right? If I say, hey, Steve. Hey, Ava. You can say, hey, Ava. You can turn toward me when I bid, or you can ignore me. You can turn away from me and just completely ignore me like you didn't hear me. Or you can be like, what, Ava? And you can turn against me in a way that is very um, 
abrasive, right? And so when someone is giving you a compliment, Brandy, they are bidding to you, they are turning toward you, and they are hoping that you will turn toward them and not turn against them or turn away from them. They, you could either like ignore them, pretend that they're not there, or you can be like, and you can, or you can um, turn against, you could be like deflective, like, oh yeah, no, it's fine. Like whatever. Um, or you can respond in a way that's warm and inviting and um, affirming without necessarily having to deliver a compliment. Like, oh, thanks. I'm so glad that you said something. Or like, oh, that was really sweet of you. Thanks. Or whatever. Without necessarily yeah. like Just returning being a compliment. Appreciative. Yeah. Yeah, so it gets real weird for me because then I, well, because then we're going to just do this whole group therapy because then I'm like, well, I didn't like ask for the compliment. (laughs) So now you've put me in a position to now I feel like I need to show appreciation for a compliment I did not ask for. It is really weird in my head. It just is. I, I can understand it from the perspective of it's a gift that someone's giving. They're going out of their way to Mm -hmm. just do a very nice thing. And, and if anything, like perk up your day or whatever. I'm not questioning that at all. It's the question of how I filter that. And then like, yeah, it's complex. There are, there are appropriate compliments and there are inappropriate compliments and it's um, what's the word subjective. It's, it's Mm -hmm. the line is different for everybody. It's a gray area, right? If somebody came up to me and said, Hey toots, nice tits. Be like, fuck you. No, that's not an okay compliment to say. Right. But Mm -hmm. if someone says, um, Oh, Ava, I really like the way that that hairstyle frames your face. I'm like, thanks. That's really nice, mm-hmm. right? Like there are appropriate things to say and inappropriate. And like for me, it's all about like, is it, does it feel objectifying? Then go fuck yourself, mm-hmm. right? But like mm-hmm. that that definition, that comfort zone is going to be different for everybody. Your comfort zone oh, yeah. is going to be different from Steven's. It's going to be different from mine. Mm-hmm. And for what it's worth, mm-hmm. compliments make me really squirmy too. Yeah. Okay, so question there, okay? So- in the compliment thing, it came down to, do, does this person, and I think you all too probably, like, do you believe the compliment, you know, and that that's where the incongruity, what's the word I'm looking for? The dissonance, we'll just dissonance. say. That's where there's some yeah. dissonance, right? It's like, you're going, do I, do I believe that? Okay. So in this, in this case, we were talking specifically about like, when somebody says like how you're attractive, you know, and, and giving those things. Right. And so it's easy for us to dismiss that stuff. We very often do dismiss it. And that got us into how do you change beliefs? Okay. So my, my thought on here, and I'm interested, Ava, particularly, I guess with you is like beliefs are really hard to change. Okay. But I do think you can do them. But if I was just like, Oh, just change your belief. Ava, I just want you to, uh, you know, vote for that other person over there. You know, you can do that, right? Or I would just want you to change your religious beliefs or something. You know, it's like you really, I mean, tell me what you think. I don't think you can do that, right? It's kind of like your beliefs are based on your experiences as you grow up and your knowledge as you grow up, right? And they beliefs are formed. And so, therefore, we can't just change them that way. And then I have an idea about how we can, but Ava, I want to hear from you first. Do you kind of agree with that, generally speaking? I think your beliefs can be influenced because there's no, the only constant in the world is change, right? We're constantly changing. We're constantly evolving. We're constantly learning more. And our beliefs will evolve as we evolve uh, many times, not necessarily for everything, but a lot of times that happens. I don't believe in Santa Claus like I did when I was four years old, right? Mm-hmm. Um So I do think it's possible to influence someone's beliefs, but not necessarily to change them. Like it's not that black and white. Yeah. 
So let me rephrase. I don't think I, I can't just decide I'm going to change my own belief. I can't really do that. It's based on like, but I think influence is a good word. It's based on other aspects, right? It is based on my knowledge and my experience growing up. Okay. So I have a certain perspective and therefore that belief develops out of it. Okay. My thought here is if you get new information, Santa is a good example. Okay. Kids, if you're listening at home, and you're under 18, turn this off. Do not <laughs> listen to 18. this vital information under we're about 18. to give you about Santa Claus. Right, okay. Anyway, but like, yeah, you're a kid, right? You believe in Santa, and then you kind of find out new information, you know, and you process it, and you think about it, and you're like, oh, yeah, now I, I don't. Like, I have a new perspective on it, okay? So I think what happens is it really is like, our, if, if you get new information or have a certain experience in life, which is mm -hmm. basically the same thing as getting new information. I think very often mm -hmm. then that new information is like, oh, now I can see things a little bit differently. Uh, and yeah. in some ways I'm gonna say that's therapy. I've had that before where I could not see certain things and you're in there and you're talking to your therapist, whatever, and all of a sudden like, your eyes are open to it and you can see it. So I feel like that's how beliefs are. We, we can't necessarily just change them ourselves just because we want to, which is similar to like the building confidence. You can't just be confident but there's the underlying factors. I think the most responsible, healthy way to, to change beliefs is to, to question them when you have new information um, that can influence them. But I certainly think I could wake up tomorrow and just decide, hey, I'm, I'm going to, this is my new me and this is what I'm going to do and not have more informed knowledge or anything. And, but I don't think that's the healthy way to do it. But I think, think people could. I think that the healthiest way to change beliefs is to be open to changing, mm -hmm. not necessarily to decide that you're going to change them. Like how open-minded someone is, is going to influence um, how easy it is for them to, to be swayed from their beliefs, right? Like how many people in the world have like been shown time and time again, um, you know, pick every topic I'm thinking of, I feel like is too controversial to bring up right now. Um, but there are a lot of people out there that get kind of classified as like, oh, they're they're closed-minded. They don't understand people that are different from them or people that come from different cultures or walks of life, right? But you'll find that people that um, have done a lot of traveling or have been exposed to a lot more diversity, they're going to be a lot more open-minded because they've seen so much more, right? Being open to different things gives you more of an opportunity to change your own beliefs, you can mm -hmm. choose how open you are to that kind of influence or that kind of intention. Mm -hmm. Thank you. So, okay, let's bring this back into like talking about like how do you become more confident and how does, you know, just like the beliefs are going to change, we have to change our belief in like how confident we are sort of. Okay, so so how do you do that? So I did, I found this really good sentence that I really like um, that I've I kind of put it together, I guess I'll say. But anyway, but I think this is a good description of what confidence is. Uh, confidence is when you're willing to take a small risk. And then if you make a mistake, you have the ability to just admit it and to not be worried about it. So there's really like sort of say four parts to it. Let me break it down because I think it's going to help explain it. Okay. You're willing to take a small risk. Okay. You're going to do something and it might not work. Right. And then if you part two, you make a mistake that like that's part of it, right? How comfortable are we with making mistakes, right? And if we make a mistake, then we can admit it, say to ourselves and others. And then but the fourth part is the hardest. Just don't be worried about it, you know? So the more I thought about this, I'm like, okay, building confidence really comes down to, I think, how okay are we with making mistakes and then not worrying about it too much? 
can we change mistake to maybe risk? Because I don't think it just because something didn't work out the way you intended it makes it a mistake. It can be a learning experience or something that you you change and do differently the next time. I just don't like the word mistake. It sounds like a pass fail almost type of did you, you know, if someone's like, did you have a good day? No, I had a lot of failures today. Well, what failures did you have? Like, those aren't failures. Those are lessons learned. And, you know, it's just, but this is just me getting and words. I am going to, that's, that's where I'm going. Okay. okay. So that is how I want to reframe people to look at this. But I don't, okay. is there a different word instead of, of mistake or mess up? When you don't have the outcome that you wanted. This word is going to have different emotional impact on different people. And I think that's actually part of, that's actually part of like the problem in the solution of this conversation, because what, Stephen, what you're describing, how you are defining confidence, um, you know, being willing to take a risk. If I'm willing to take a risk, no matter how big or small, that means that I feel safe enough that if the outcome is not what I want, I know that I'll be okay. It is the assurance that I will be okay even if I don't get the outcome that I want when I take that risk. I feel safe enough to do it anyway. So it doesn't matter if you call it a mistake or if you call it anything else. People that are going to um, feel, have their, their buttons pushed by a word like mistake or fuck up or failure, it's because there is an elevated fear of I'm not valuable enough. I'm not worth enough. I am not enough, right? So it doesn't feel safe to make a mistake or to fuck up or to fail because that's so important to them. And I say that being one of those people, I don't like the word mistake mm -hmm. either. I hate the call. Mm -hmm. Like it makes me cringe. And mm -hmm. also like I recognize like, oh, that's because Ava the anxious over here like is a perfectionist and absolutely hates fucking up. How dare I not be perfect, right? Like right. Especially if you spend so much time, so much of your time trying to account for all the ways a mistake could happen and then you prevent it and then you still get said that was a mistake. It's just it can be devastating. What's important to call out here is that if you don't feel safe enough with the repercussions of something turning out not the way that you wanted it to, then you're not going to do it in the first place. So that step four, it almost comes first. That reassurance of it's going to be okay, even if it doesn't turn out the way that I want it to, that almost needs to be the first thing rather than the last thing. So, yeah. So isn't this a little bit cyclical, cyclical, cyclical? I can't know what the, the mm -hmm. word is. Um, like, yeah, if you're, you're going to hold yourself back, right? If you're, if you're too nervous to make a mistake, you're not going to try, you're not going to put yourself out there. You're not going to try, mm -hmm. you're not going to do things that you want to go do. Right. And that is going to get into like, that's what I kind of want to talk about here is like, I want to reframe the word mistake a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, because I feel, I think like very often, like you're saying, Ava, people do like, it's, it's such a holdup, right? We don't want to mess up. We don't want to screw up. And, and then as a result, it's like, we don't, we don't try certain things, you know, yeah. and we do play it. And that is because we are worried about it. How, so, how many times have we talked about decision paralysis on this show? Same exact thing. Yeah. So uh, where I want to kind of retrain, like, let's look at this. At, let's look at the word mistake. Okay. Let's look at mistakes differently. And I think to see mistakes, this sounds very cliche, but to see mistakes as opportunities. And I'm going to use the word mistake. And if you want to say 
miscalculations or a different word, I think that's fine. But I think the point is it's opportunities, right? So we're going to go in, we want to take the risk. That's, that's something we want to be able to do. And that if something goes not as planned, that we can be okay about it. I think that's the goal for the whole thing. Okay. So the reframe I want to do is to not think of mistakes. That's the word I was going to use as a bad thing, but to start to look at that as the, as, as opportunities, right? So the first thing that comes to my mind, okay, is that like everybody, I was going to say, makes mistakes. And that is literally how we learn. I don't think you can learn. If you do something right, you don't learn from it. You know, it's like, oh, that worked out great. You know, if you make a great tennis shot, oh, and it's total luck, you're not going to necessarily be able to reproduce it. Okay. I think you have to have the mistakes and the trial and error, and you have to go through that process. So I tend to see that as like, that is how we get better is, is trying things, seeing what doesn't work, refining it into like what, what does work. Um, so just because a mistake happens, it's not necessarily bad. Um, and I think of this too, like with some of like the, the different BDSM scenes that we have done or that I've done. Okay. You can get in there and there is that fear of like, what if I mess up and what if I make a mistake and getting myself to the point of knowing that, Hey, if I mess up, like if Mm -hmm. I'm playing with either one of you two, I'm at this point, like I know if I mess up with either one of you two, it's going to be okay. Right. We're going to, we're going to pause. We're going to, I'm just going to say, Hey, sorry about that. Didn't mean to hit you there or whatever. We're going to, we're going to fix it. And that, you guys are going to be okay with, I have enough confidence in our relationships that you guys are going to be okay. We're going to be able to move, move right on. Okay. So I think that's maybe a good example of how mm-hmm. to kind of think about it. That if I do, if something doesn't go as planned and I do mess up just hitting you wrong or whatever, that it's going to be okay. You know, we can, mm-hmm. we can get through it. The other part for me personally, that really helps a lot is that I feel like in my heart, I have good intentions. Okay. Which is why I feel like the show is called ethical seduction. It is like that ethical part. Okay. But if you have the good intentions and you're not, I don't think most people go out like I'm going to, I woke up this morning. I'm going to go out and hurt people. I want to be a bad guy. Right. We don't, we don't really do that. Right. But I think it's very easy to say like, well, I might mess up. I might, you know, but if you have a good heart, then you can really forgive yourself when you do mess up. Okay. So this is again, something I feel like I do pretty easily and I don't know why or how, okay, but I can just look at myself of how I handle situations. So if I do screw up or something like that, I can, I can sit there and be like, well, I didn't do it intentionally. I, you know, yes, I care about Ava. Yes. I care about Brandy. I didn't hurt them on purpose. So because I know I didn't hurt it on hurt you all say on purpose, it makes it easier for me to just be like, ah, I have to learn. I have to, fix whatever happened, you know, to make it okay, check in with you all, we'll say, and, you know, that's the admitting it part, you know, and okay, this happened, sorry, didn't mean for it to happen, right? And then you move on and you don't worry about it. And I think the focus there is how I look at that word mistake. You know, if I look at that as a learning opportunity and not necessarily something bad, that helps allow me to be like, I don't have to feel bad about it. I don't have to be worried about it as a, as a end all be all. I've done a lot of therapy work around the concept. I I mentioned it earlier tonight about, um, repairing ruptures, right. And there is so little confidence in one's ability to repair a rupture when it happens, unless you're well-practiced at it. And you've had 
a lot of wins, a lot of successes of like, okay, I was able to repair this. We were able to mend this. We were able to move forward. Um, I've done some really intense group therapy the last few years about this whole like repairing ruptures, relationships that have not gone well. And we've described it as, okay, everybody was in a car and the car crashed and that was the rupture. And you guys are trying to move forward and repair this rupture, but everyone's terrified to get back in the car and just drive around the block. Because if we, if the car hits the edge of the sidewalk, it's going to feel like you're crashing the car again, right? So we're scared to try to do the repair work from this rupture because we're all so shaken by the original damage. Right. Um, and making it, uh, there was another concept I wanted to share here called, um, failing forward, right. Recognizing that we are humans to air is human. We are all going to have errors. We are all going to mess up. We're all going to miscalculate. We're all going to fuck up at some point. That is the reality. That is the truth. It is facts. So since we know that it is inevitable to a degree that that's going to happen, how do we normalize it? How do we make it safer? How do we say, okay, you didn't win, you didn't cross the finish line, but you failed forward. You're one step closer to the finish line than you were yesterday. And that's still a win. That's still positive, right? So confidence in being able to repair Mm -hmm. the rupture, uh, belief in failing forward as still good progress. So that that leads me into something I was going to say. I like your wording to repairing the rupture. Okay, because we have talked on this on this show before about like when you do mess up and you do make a mistake, thinking of that as an opportunity, right? That the mistake is not the issue, right? After the mistake or the moment happens, then it's like what matters is what do you do next, right? And this is where basically I would say like just think of it as like you're going to earn your reputation. So if you do the wrong thing, you know, whatever, run away, don't take care of the person, it's like that forms your reputation. It hurts damages, you know, trust, things like that. But if you do the right thing, Mm -hmm. then it turns out to be a really good, a good moment. So, and I've noticed this with work. Okay. So I will be, I'll be at work. If you just do your job. So in my, you know, my day job is as, as an architect, right? So if I do the project and everything goes as planned, I get zero credit. Okay. Why? I got paid. That's what I'm supposed to do. But when you do the job and something goes wrong and then I jump in and I help that client, you know, I help get the thing fixed. I help the contractor get whatever, you know, we do that. You help those things. Then all of a sudden you've made that relationship with those people. Right. And they now know like, okay, um, when the mistake happens, you know, we know that we can trust Steve to jump in and go do the thing. And so then you sort of get credit for it because now you've demonstrated to people that when, when something goes wrong, they can count on you and you've created that relationship. I think it could be, but like, there's a really funny snarky thing in my head that I just have to say. Like, so what I'm hearing you say, Steve, is rather than just be the good guy all the time, we should be the bad guy and then the good guy. And that's how we win. Well, I thought you were going to say, so what we hear, Steve, is that you mess up a lot at your, you know, in in the day job, you know, with the the stuff. I mean, we know that it's okay. We still love you. Well, and it does. I mean, like stuff is like for architecture, like you're going to make a mistake. You like that's that kind of stuff happens. And and there is built into that. There is checks and balances that goes on, you know, between the different parties involved. Okay. So I want to give this, uh, this analogy or this example. So, um, and I've talked about it in past podcasts about how podcasts about how I have extreme difficulty um, initiating. I want to do it. I think about doing it, fantasize about doing, but then and it's not even the action of doing it. It's how my confidence in recovery, if it doesn't go as planned, 
like if they're not in the mood or it's just not the right time, but I thought it was the right time. And so there has to, you have to build up the confidence that if you put yourself out there, you can then recover well or well enough because then you're not going to be able to put yourself out there. You're just not going to be able to. Um, so that's, I don't know, that one just came up as a example to use is, yeah, you can trust mm-hmm. others to, to or help you recover it too, but you also have to trust yourself. Like I need to be okay. I need to be okay. If I don't get the intended outcome from doing this. That's yeah. Yeah. A question that I ask myself when I, when I put myself in situations that feel risky like that, when I'm, I'm trying to be the brave one that initiates something that I want rather than just wait for the person to think of it and, and come to me. Um, I talk about like, how am I going to take care of myself? How am I going to care for myself if I don't get what I want out of this? Mm -hmm. If I swallow my courage and work up the guts to go and talk to this person and ask them out or ask them on a date or flirt with them or whatever, and it does not have the intended outcome, am I still going to be okay? Mm -hmm. Do I love myself enough? Do I care for myself enough? Do I need to have like a backup friend ready for like a Mm -hmm. phone call to help distract me for a little bit in order for it, in order to ease Mm -hmm. that uncomfortability a little bit. How do you take care of yourself when you don't get the outcome that you want? How is it still okay when you don't get what you want? Right. And I think that's one of the steps to building confidence is you don't have to have confidence starting out, but have confidence that you can recover if there's unintended outcomes, um, because then it makes it feel less devastating. And it's like, oh, that didn't, that wasn't Mm -hmm. as bad as I thought it was going to be. And that encourages you to do it. Yeah. 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 Or like, hey, this is uncomfortable. I don't feel good after that. And I know that I'll feel better tomorrow or I'll feel better soon and it'll be okay. Yeah. And I think you all are saying something that's really important that, that is practice matters. You know, the more you do this, right? So yeah, I was going to say like, if something, you know, do the thing, if you're uncomfortable, like the example of like somebody's giving you the compliments, you know, sometimes it's like to learn to sit in that uncomfortableness, right? And the more Brandy, you and I've talked about this, the more you do that, mm-hmm. you become, you get better at it. Right. And, uh, mm-hmm. I'll give a quick example is like, I can like, when I was getting divorced and, you know, you're having to have these hard, these really hard, not fun conversations. Right. And you, but you have to go through, I just had to, had to do them. Right. And there's nothing to do. You just have to be uncomfortable. That's it. And you just kind of get through it. But I think that what I personally grew from that experience was knowing that, okay, I can do that again. Like if, you know, I've, I've been able to do that. It's not, it's not fun but mm-hmm. it's, you can get through it or whatever. And so the more you practice it, and I think that Brandy, this is where you and I've just talked about stuff that's gone on in our lives. And I feel like, okay, luckily we've learned some stuff, you know, that, you know, yeah, <laughs> not everything's easy for us, but I think that is one of the things that you come out of that is like, we can sit in some uncomfortable mm-hmm. situations. And then the more you practice, the easier the stuff gets. And so for building confidence, I do want to say that for like listeners, like that is a key thing to remember. You don't like, just like Ava said, you don't have to be good at it now, but the more you just do baby steps, baby steps, and Mm -hmm. it'll get better and easier. I like to think. Mm -hmm. So what I'm hearing is Brandy wants to do a scene with us where we tie her down and just give her compliments for like an hour. Ava, I've heard that's been on my list. That's been on my list for years, and I'm like, I will cry in probably two minutes, and then I can't say anything back. That's the that's the scene. Is then I can't no because of the ball gag in your mouth. Oh my god! Just lay there and take it, or just even say thank you. Oh, fucking worst. What if? What if? Could we? I know this is off topic, but like, what if we? 
What if we distracted you with pleasure while we were giving you compliments? I mean, that's always a good tactic. I think we, I think we should start there. <laughs> start with that one. There we go. Happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I digress. All right. Okay. okay. So yeah, we're gonna make that scene happen. All right. I'm excited. <laughs> Woo. Okay. Um, so Eddie, so I do want to kind of like, if, you know, for those of you who are listening, do think about this a little bit. This is not easy stuff that we're talking about, you know, but I, a lot of times we've talked, reminds me of when you talking to you all about dating and you're all like, Oh, I hate dating. I'm like, why do you do Why go through the effort? And you're like, well, when it works, it's really good. This I think is sort of similar. Like this is a pain in the ass, all this stuff, like building confidence, not fun. You know, it's getting compliment, all that not fun. Okay. But it ends up being like, it's worth it. If you think of like, the more you practice, it just will help all different aspects of your life, you know, in, in, in flirting and relationships. Yes. Which, you know, I love to talk about that because it's an easy, it's an easy topic to discuss. Okay. But it's going to help you in like how you relate to your, your family and how, you know, people at work, you know, clients, all that kind of stuff. So it's a huge kind of thing really is, is like a life changing thing. If you can work on it and get, get a little bit better at it, a little bit more comfortable with it. Um, Last thing there that I want to say that was just like, we talk about this vulnerability. I bet you vulnerability, the strength that is in vulnerability could come up in every single episode. But this was like a reminder, like when I was kind of preparing notes for, for the show, I, I'm going like, it's one more thing of like, the more we can become comfortable in our own vulnerability, which is the authenticity stuff that we always talk about. And authenticity is always so fucking attractive to everybody. So the more we can like be okay with being in those vulnerable situations, it ends up having all this positive aspects in all these other areas of our life. But it also that vulnerability ends up being really attractive, you know, which I know so mm -hmm. many people listen to this podcast because they want to know like, how do you press attraction buttons? And it's weird to be like, you know, vulnerability is like one of the strongest things you can do. And everybody's like, well, I hate that one. Mm. I can see it on your faces right now as we're, yeah. as we're talking. Now, Stephen, do you remember there was something that I shared with you on social media a while ago, earlier this year? And I think you responded with, I'm not sure I'm following this. Do you think you can help oh, me yeah. understand it or something? Yes. This is that. Okay. So it was about this chick that uh, she had a whole bunch of like pens and highlighters and stuff in front of her on a table. And she was telling a story and she picks up a pen. And she's like, this thing happened and it felt really uncomfortable here. This is this pen. This is uncomfortable. But then it spurred on this other feeling and this other doubt and this other. And she kept like linking it to all these other things that added on this like downward spiral of negative thoughts. And then all of a sudden she's holding like her hands full of mm -hmm. these pens and highlighters that all represent uncomfortable feelings. Mm -hmm. Right. And like letting it spiral out of control when if she had just accepted that one uncomfortable feeling and just sat with it and didn't build on it, didn't mm -hmm. like blow it out of proportion, it would have just been that one thing. And it would have been uncomfortable, but she could have just sat with it and accepted it and then eventually put it down. But like so many of us anxious types, mm -hmm. we tend not to do that. We tend to let the one bad thought into another one, into another yeah. one, and the downward spiral. And then like, yeah. oh God, everything's awful, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Now, and when, when I'm curious, when that happens, when you start to do the downward spiral, which I've done that myself, do, can you all stop it? Like, can you just be like, oh, I can sometimes, I, I've had it where I can't stop it, right? And then it sucks because I go, oh, I'm just doing the downward spiral. And I can't stop it. My brain is so dumb. Like that's how I think to myself. And usually what happens is I just have to like let time go by 
and then it will settle down. Okay. But how much ability do you have to like notice it and just be like, Oh, this is what's going on. I need to stop these thoughts and just like, it doesn't work that way. Does it? It doesn't. It doesn't. So I don't have a a great ability to stop the thoughts, but I have a, a strong ability to identify that the thoughts I'm having from that one situation maybe aren't the most rational and logical at that moment. It doesn't mm-hmm. stop me from having them, but it stops me from giving as much weight and substance to the thoughts. But I still maybe and have that's to. The first, that's the first step. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I don't think people. I mean, we talked service. earlier about. Um, we right. talked earlier about people being able to self-soothe, right? Or self-comfort mm-hmm. or self-assure. And that's literally what it is. The first step, Brandy, is identifying. Mm-hmm. And then once you've identified it, what do you do with it? Well, it doesn't mm-hmm. mean you need to run away from the feeling. Mm-hmm. You're still going to feel it. You've identified mm-hmm. it. And now you can say like, okay, this feels really shitty in this moment. I'm going to take 10 deep breaths. I'm going to mm-hmm. go for a walk. I'm going to call a friend. I'm going to mm-hmm. distract myself for a minute so I can go back to like my baseline, right? Mm-hmm. You don't have to run away from it. You don't have to make it disappear. But you can find a way to soothe yourself and comfort yourself in the moment. Yeah, exactly. And that comes with practice. Mm-hmm. So so let me try to summarize this, and then you all can improve upon what I'm going to say, because I don't know if I'm going to say it perfectly. But with uh, how do you build confidence? I think a lot of it is like, you know, you do want to try to be willing to take that risk and do the things you do. Try and, you know, if you realize you're holding yourself back, just recognize that, you know, and hopefully you can move forward and try the thing. Okay. But yes, there's risks involved. You know, it might not go as planned. And a lot of what I think we've talked about to kind of build the confidence is that if it doesn't go as planned, developing that understanding that, you know, you're going to be okay. Mistakes are how we learn is how we get better. If you have the good heart, you don't need to go beat yourself up over the stuff. You know, the other person, especially if you know the other person well, is probably going to like give you some grace and they're going to be okay with things, you know? And, uh, but the, the real key in the end is like to not be worried about it. And how do you not be worried about it? I think it goes back to like being, uh, developing skills of like being okay with messing up. And having a strategy for how you're going to care for yourself in those uncomfortable situations when they do happen, because they're going to happen. They happen mm-hmm. to all of us. Mm-hmm. I think my only uh, my only thing I would change a little bit in that is it's okay to care about it, but you need to figure out how much caring it actually needs, right? Like if mm-hmm. I if I have a miscalculated outcome. I mean, to say, just don't care about it. You, you put yourself out there. You had good intentions. You had a good heart. You know, you had all the right things in place. It just didn't work out. Yeah, but I, and, and did not care about it. Like you can care, but, but find out how much that, that needs versus how much you're willing to give. Mm-hmm. It. Yeah. And, and that's different per yeah. situation. It's like um, compartmentalization almost, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, give it space. Yeah, that sucked. Mm-hmm. But like but how much space does it deserve? Mm-hmm. Okay, take up that space and then set it aside. Mm-hmm. I, I have a really good example. Th- this this really hit me. This is like, I was probably in my 20s, okay? And I went every Monday, this was before all the internet stuff where we had Zoom and all the internet meetings, right? So every Monday I had to go down to a client and we would go to their office and we'd sit in there. It'd be like 15, 20 people at the conference table, you know? And the guy who led the thing was kind of an ass, right? And he would like pick on people. And so the three of us that would be in the car driving down to this meeting, we'd be like, oh, are we ready for this? Do you have this? You know, and the one person I was with, she would be like, like, I don't care. 
you know, be like, well, what if he, he says like, we didn't do this well? She'd be like, I don't care. Right. And at first it sounds like, I, I don't know it, where it hit me is like that. She's got the right attitude. She literally does not care if this person gets on her, right? She's going to have done the best that she can to prepare all this information. Right. So if he's not happy with it, she doesn't care. And I thought that is a great, healthy attitude. And it's, I think Brandy, it's just like you're saying, it's like how much weight does that person mm -hmm. have? And mm -hmm. sometimes we have to realize like, they don't have any fucking weight. You know, this guy was an ass. So if he's going to flip out and act like a baby, mm -hmm. we don't care. We're just going to do our jobs and we're going to do it well. And we're going to do the best that we can. So mm -hmm. I kind of love that. We don't, I don't care as a positive message. That's how you frame success, right? She wasn't giving him any weight in whether or not she's successful. He could be absolutely super unhappy and disappointed with her work. Her success she, mm -hmm. is, did I do my best? That's enough for me. And her her attitude for the day and how she interpreted her day, if, if she interacted with him and it was negative or not nice, she was like, I'm not going to let it affect me. So, yeah, I can see how that could be healthy yeah. in some situations. So the message of today's story, uh, everybody, is just learn to not care. <laughs> how do you build confidence? I don't care. Okay. <laughs> Give no fucks. Yeah. No, the one thing, one thing that I want to say before we, before we close things up, Stephen, is that I know that this is hard work. Like you were saying, mm -hmm. like, it's not easy to develop this stuff. It's not like flipping a switch. It doesn't happen overnight. It is a marathon, not a sprint. And you know what? We all need to rest sometimes. Some days you're going to have spoons to take that little extra risk and try it out. Some days mm -hmm. you might not. And mm -hmm. that's okay. You don't have to be on and trying and doing it all yeah. the time and burn yourself out, running yourself into the ground, trying to better yourself. Absolutely. If that's what you want to do, better yourself. And also know that like it's okay to not take the risk sometimes too. Don't feel bad if you're not choosing to do it 10 times out of 10 because we all need to take a break sometimes. Mm -hmm. One of the things, okay, how do you make this fun, right? Because we were talking about this and it sounds super serious and in some respects super scary, okay? But the thing is about like growing, you know, as you do this, right? you go to that uncomfortable situation and you get through it. The fun part, it's not exactly fun, but the positive thing that can can feel really good inside, really, is when you realize like, okay, I did it and I'm growing, I'm getting better at it, you know, and you, as you grow, like I learned how to play guitar, it took me fucking forever to learn how to play it, it took me three, four, five times as long to like learn how to do it, okay, and I would have never started if I knew how long it was going to take, but mm -hmm. every single time you learn something little, it's mm -hmm. exciting, right, and it's that part that draws you on to like, keep doing it and keep doing it. And then over the lifetime of the whole thing, it's like I can now play way better than I ever imagined in the very beginning from those baby steps. So I think, but the thing that was fun about it is like, it's these little incremental steps. So as you get through that conversation or you have that weird moment and you get through it, make it fun. Do realize like, okay, I can, I can tell I'm growing. I can tell I'm making the progress. And that is the positive feeling that you get and you should pay attention to that as a positive thing because that's what's going to help you the next time go into it and be like i can do this mm -hmm. i love that so much so much Woo! 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 all right so we have the guide for connecting conversations that i've prepared is a pdf it's maybe maybe 10 pages i would say at the most uh, but it is free for anybody who would like it i put it together it is on our website ethicalseduction.com um, i try to just you know conversations are used 
like in everything that we do and everything, you know, just some people deal with anxiety. I tried to put that a little bit about in there. Um, people often will be like, I don't know what to say or, you know, how do I recover? So I tried to put some, some examples in there. It's only 10 pages, so it's not going to have all the answers, but it's just put together to be helpful and to give you ideas of different ways to have conversations. And so anybody who wants that, that is on ethicalseduction.com website. And uh, you can download it for free from there. Get it. Um, yeah. And then the other thing just to mention is that I am now doing like 30-minute one-on-one coaching calls. So we've had a couple of people that are like interested in doing that. And that the benefit there, and I've enjoyed actually doing it because you can kind of get into specifics about the person, you know, talking about, well, well this is what I'm interested in learning or this is what I'm traveling on. Not necessarily trouble doing. Nobody's asked that exactly. But, you know, it, it's like, how do you get, better results faster. And so, like I said, I don't think we need to do very long calls. I think a lot of times the 30 minute is probably going to answer a lot of people's questions. So I've got that set up too. If you're, if anybody's interested, you can book a session through the website for that too. And if you'd like today's show, uh, please remember, you can follow us to get future episodes. Um, and if you're on Apple Podcasts, uh, they care a lot about ratings and reviews. So if you would leave us a rating and review, we would appreciate it a lot. It gives us feedback, which also like, lets us be able to kind of hone the show and you know try to make it a little bit better. And so that is, that's very helpful for us. And we're also on Instagram and Facebook, FetLife and Reddit for anybody who wants to follow us on social media. Um, and then I do want to give like special thanks to Ava and Brandy. It is so good to have the, the team back in here. And it's been a while since at least the three of us have been able to get together. Mm-hmm. So that's been really nice. And uh, listeners, you probably don't know it, but we got on here. We talked for whatever, 20 minutes before, maybe even longer before we ever hit record, just because it was like, okay, we're all on here together together in the same room virtually virtually yeah (laughs) but no it's been great i'm glad we were able to get everybody's schedules worked out where we could do it me too Mm -hmm. it's good stuff thank you everybody and remember to live the life that you want with the people that you want thanks Bye. bye bye